Welcome to The Savvy Founder, the one place for entrepreneurs and business owners, away from the everyday bustle, where we help you find your path to a profitable and bright future. Now here's your host, The Savvy Founder and armchair sociologist himself, Philip Topham. Hello and welcome to The Savvy Founder. I'm Philip Topham, your host. I'm really happy today to have Nick Lynch with us from Kaleidoscope.io. Welcome, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate this. Uh, you're the latest to be able to say I can. You you will be joining the Savvy Founder Elite, which is an elite club of of founders willing to share their journey for other founders that are coming up behind them. So even though you're not, you know, had that massive exit and you're still on that journey. There's people right behind you that could learn from your words of wisdom. So with that, Nick, why don't we give the audience a little bit about uh, your your business first and then your background and how you came. So tell me a little bit about Kaleidoscope and what is it? Yeah, for sure. So Kaleidoscope is a social media analytics and measurement platform built specifically for the cause marketing social impact space. So, you know, what we found is that, you know, brands in particular are really interested in aligning closer to nonprofits and causes. Um, however, the measurement around the efficacy of those partnerships um, is very challenging given that nonprofits are amazing at delivering mission uh, objectives, but they're not necessarily marketers. So providing um, any insight into the downstream effects of a brand partnership is challenging for a nonprofit. Um, however, if they were able to do that, they would be able to generate more awareness, more dollars, uh, and essentially more activation for, for their cause and the nonprofit. And so that's really what we built Kaleidoscope for is to build that bridge between brands and nonprofits, bring in social media influencers to kind of create this, um, you know, three-sided marketplace. And so that we provide um, the opportunity for brands, nonprofits, and social media influencers to identify areas of alignment and their values and their mission. And then we support those collaborations on social and digital media. And then we provide uh, analytics around those campaigns and those collaborations, not only marketing uh, analytics for brands so they can see the, the reach and the engagement pieces that they're not used to, but also the downstream implications of did those collaborations actually drive donations and visitors to the site or volunteers or participant signatures, whatever the main KPI is. And so that really allowed to, you know each stakeholder to see the value of those partnerships. And then sort of at the end of all of it, we actually look at the brand's participation and their activation in those campaigns and come up with what we call a Kaleidos score, which in, in sort of provides insight into how well a brand is actually uh, executing against their internal ESG or environmental social and governance goals uh, in their marketing. Yeah, so in short, you everybody's talking about social enterprises and values and, and not just the almighty dollar, you know, conscious capital, you name it, ESG, environmental, social governance issues, big, big trend. So you saw that trend uh, and I read your bio, you came out of the digital marketing. So how did you really, you know, find that pain? You know, what, what, you know, kind of describe the symptom here, but what's, what's the biggest pain that you're, you're solving with the, with the kaleidoscope? For sure. So, and I think it helps to give some context on my background too. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, for the last 16 years or so, I've been here based in LA, focused in building digital 
uh, and social media uh, advertising solutions for brands uh, and agencies to better target their audiences on digital and social media. I mean, to date myself a little bit, I was an early MySpace guy and I helped them launch their <laughs> self-serve display platform, right? So I've been doing this a long time and looking at data and applying it in ways to target um, people across digital and social media a long time. Um, but from a personal standpoint, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a Make-A-Wish kid. And I've been involved, obviously, with the Make-A-Wish Foundation ever since they granted my, uh, my wish. But more from a professional standpoint, over the last seven years, I've helped the LA chapter. Um, I'm on their advisory council. I helped them launch their, um, their Young Professionals Council as well. And so I have this sort of unique perspective of being the recipient of a nonprofit, understanding how brands want to be more involved in cause and social impact marketing, um, and the, the operational sort of hurdles and challenges at a nonprofit, but also the humongous opportunity given the right tools, technology, and resources for, un, for nonprofits to really unlock all of this value for them. And so th that's sort of really where it started, sort of seeing the, the friction and the opportunity between all of these stakeholders. Um, but when COVID hit, the, you know, the first thing I thought of is what are, what's Make-A-Wish going to do and what are nonprofits going to do when all of their in-person events go away, which is really where about 75% of their revenue comes from. It's massive. Um, and so that's really kind of the genesis of Kaleidoscope is leveraging my experience in the for-profit marketing space and, and kind of creating it on a nuanced way to help nonprofits approach the problem of generating, you know, moving digitally and being more digitally savvy and social media savvy, savvy, um, <laughs> and making sure that, you know, they can help really bring in more dollars and more opportunities from a digital perspective. So, so let me make sure and I understand the Kaleidoscope came about because of COVID. Before that, it wasn't an idea. It, so it was a result, direct result of COVID. Wow. A direct result of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a good thing, right? Yeah. No, right. for sure. Because the world is definitely going to be a hybrid of in-person and, and online events. I don't think it's ever going to go back to where it was before. I know I'm certainly on several uh, nonprofits and we're struggling with, you know, how much is uh, in-person and how much is online and how do yep. you, how do you bridge the two audiences with that? So yeah, phenomenal. Uh, you, your background, you, you, like you said, you had some really big brands and big uh, that you worked with. How, how critical was your network of people in building your business? Oh, extremely critical. So when, when this all came about and when we started having this idea, I reached out to quite literally everybody I knew in the nonprofit space, in the agency and the social impact marketing space, and at brands who were conducting or executing some sort of corporate social responsibility or, or social impact campaign. And I just asked questions like, what are you doing for this? And, and how does this affect your business now? And what would you want to see? And really just spent a lot of time listening. I think I talked to over 300 people in the early days of COVID just to ask them, like, what, what is it that would help you understand and better equip your teams? And this is on the nonprofit side and on the brand side to, to, to really feel like there's an investment there that you can measure from a brand side. And from a nonprofit side is, is getting people sort of meeting them where they are, where, how, what resources do you currently use? Um, how effective are you in actually using social media? What, what is the major barriers of understanding and really just doing tons and tons 
of interviews and market research, right. um, leveraging my network. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And and for for any of you founders listening, that's when they talk about customer discovery, that's what it takes. It takes a ton of conversations because what you you think you know the elephant that you're trying to solve, the problem you're trying to solve, but there's a lot of perspectives in the marketplace. So with that, what when you went through that customer discovery process, what what surprised you the most about what you thought was happening and what you found to be true? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is on, on the brand side, the fact that there, that there was so much money being, and there still is. I mean, cor- corporate social responsibility is a $20 billion a year market. Brands, brands and corporations. That's a, that's a huge number. Huge number. They're spending t- tons of money um, for, for good, which is fantastic. But there's not a lot of measurement um, and there's really quite truly not a lot of like industry milestones around what should be actually happening with these dollars. Um, and so it's it's more of a vanity number at, for the most part um, that they're doing good. And corporate social responsibility isn't a new thing. Um, it's been mostly used to engage your employees and to attract talent, but it's now very much becoming a marketing piece. So it's moving away from HR and moving into, um, into marketing. But for me, I had no idea that the level of analytics and insight that people were using to validate or, you know, verify the impact of these dollars is, is still very minimal. Um, and so that was a big shock to me. And, and I felt like the question I said was, if I could provide you a very clear report on the overall marketing impact for your brand, as well as the downstream impact to your organizations that you're giving money to, would that help you increase budgets for your, for your CSR social impact efforts? And they said, absolutely. And it can definitely validate what we're doing as a group to not only internally, but to the board and the stakeholders and the CEO or the CFO who are actually looking at something like this from like a, a you know, a, a PL perspective, right? So that was a big aha moment for me. On the nonprofit side, I had some insight into in most nonprofits, and, and you know, working with nonprofits, most nonprofits are 15 to 20 years behind when it comes to marketing. Brilliant at emission delivery, not that great at marketing. And so working with them, I knew that there was uh, sort of an education hurdle. I know that there were some legacy sort of uh, think around on this. I didn't, what I did not know is how entrenched that this sort of legacy thing was across the board. And so that was the big thing for me is, is and it really helped inform how we build a product to meet people where they are, um, right. as opposed to coming with an assumption of like, I know that, you know, these metrics and these graphs and these charts are really pop. For that audience, it's really like I just need to show them a number, and I need to show them how how well that uh, that number impacted them. Like it's almost that simple. So like that was a big aha moment for me is like really figuring out how do I. It's almost empathy, meeting them where they are, understanding where right. their payments are, and and meeting that challenge um, for them. Yeah. So 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 what I just heard you sort of say, which is the the classic uh, three circle for finding your perfect niche, right? Which is you had this your personal mission with being a you know a cancer survivor with you make a wish that that circle and then you had your skill set and all this industry of social measures deep data analytics and the industry that you didn't you kind of knew existed the nonprofits underserved and you you put those three circles together and kaleidoscope ended up in the middle right and and so that's like a classic case we read about it in the book but, but that's what you've executed on. So wonderful. Um, 
And you've you've also done something uh, in the way you built your business. You, so far, you were self funded, right? So was that so was that a, a friends and family or just you 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 were fortunate enough to be able to self fund what you what you've built so far? Yeah, we've been fortunate enough to to self fund what we've built so far, um, and I, I think it's a testament to our mentality. I mean, my co founder and I have been building. Uh, businesses and, and particularly in the ad tech space for quite a long time, advertising space for a long time. And I, I think the the notion that you have to raise a bunch of money to build a business or software, I, 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 I always kind of in practice felt that you didn't need to do that, but now it was like time to prove it. And so as part of the over 300 people that I talked to, it was less about building a, a shiny piece of software that you could log into and pull charts and reports. It was really more about illumination. Like how can I provide just insight into what people were doing? And that can be solved quite literally with a spreadsheet. Our first product was a spreadsheet. That's all it was. Right. And so it's, it's really now my mentality. I had, I've always thought this, but I had to do it in practice. And now I fully believe it is that if you're creating value for your customers, as long as you're doing that, it doesn't need to look pretty. It, you just need to provide value and increase the value to your customers. And so that's what we did. Our initial product was really around consolidating data and providing it to be really transparent and to illuminate the value of the efforts that nonprofits and, and brands were doing. And then from that, you can build customers, you can build use cases, and that informs your product even more and, and the roadmap that you need to build. So then you can start building sort of those use cases, bringing more customers. We were generating revenue really early. And so when we focused on those sort of principles and those tactics, trying to find investors was less of a, uh, a, a need and more around how do we use venture capital investment to accelerate what we're doing, not to prove that this actually works. Right, right. That, that's sort of the uh, whole concept around prototyping, which is not <laughs> prototyping. Uh, uh, you know, look it up if you're you're listening. Uh, just search for prototyping. There's a professor uh, Seville, I believe. I can never re remember his name. Uh, but yeah, it's it, you. You focusing on building a business. Uh, certainly, when I did my uh, pharmaceutical market research company, uh, our first product was simply a spreadsheet. Of uh, and it didn't have to be super pretty. Uh, it was tr they were already using spreadsheets internally. They had lots of data, but they they didn't have the data in a way that added a lot of value. And it, that's that's what they needed to something that they could make a decision from. And so that's that's a great lesson for everybody listening, which is build build that business first. So now we we met through. The Expert Dojo Accelerator, uh, and so what caused you then to say, "Hey, it's time to to go apply to an accelerator"? Sure. So for us, you know, when when you're just testing out and like truly building an MVP, and like I, I emphasize the M a lot, minimum viable product. Right. A lot of that is manual work. Right. And so what we were finding is that we were being successful in delivering value to our customers, but a lot of that was manual. And so when we started to think about investment as a tool and what we needed um, investment for, it was really to enhance some of the, the features that we wanted to build, create some automation because we wanted to start to scale, but you can't really scale 
fast or or even at all if a lot of your processes are very manual. And so when we thought about what we needed from an investor, it was twofold. One was we needed a little bit of capital to start actually building some software and some automation and really create the software that we wanted to do to scale. But more importantly, is we really wanted to start building a network of, of people and expand our network from a brand perspective, from an investor's perspective, as well as from a nonprofit perspective, because there's a lot of overlap in all of those stakeholders. And so we really thought that an accelerator program that brings in a, 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 long, a good cohort that has a longstanding um, experience and history of, of building really solid cohorts and, and helping them scale, um, particularly Expert Dojo's focus is really in growth. It would have been. It was really valuable for us to, to to be a part of that and to build our network on that framework. Yeah, uh, makes a lot of sense. So, in the original product that you you had, where it was very manual, were had you considered the whole no code movement and and sort of building it yourself, or have you decided to go full on to a to a, an app? Yeah, no. So it's funny. Our our next iteration was was no code. So we went from from you know building Excel spreadsheets to then leveraging, uh, you know, low and no code sort of methodology, either low cost or no cost solutions, and and enhanced what we were doing and provided a little bit more of the automation that, that we want to further validate market fit, to further validate to our customers, to actually expand our services within our existing customers. And so it, that's really where our our next step was was Excel to low no code, and then really being able to prove out exa exactly where the automations need to be, exactly where the valuable um, visualizations and the, and the data thing and the data pieces that, that we needed to provide. And so all of that made what we thought our initial product roadmap was going to be way more efficient when we got past that because we, uh, we eliminated a lot of the assumptions or proved wrong the assumptions that we had in our original right. product roadmap. So now really a much more focused uh, roadmap that, uh, that will allow us to scale significantly faster and that provides 100% value that we know that's been tested to our customers. So I'm sure there's somebody listening that doesn't really know what low code is. They're completely non-technical and haven't looked into it. So why do you give us a, a thumbnail of what, what it meant for you? Yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, there are, so, it's amazing. It's fun. I, I actually just finished writing an article about this that I think will be published in, in a month or so, but there are so many amazing free or low cost vendors and software providers now that really allow you to, to build software almost as like in a, in a drag and drop sort of way, right? Really creating, or, sort, or I guess reducing the friction of, of, of you know, companies and people who wanna build software who have no technical background to be able to actually create an account and start using the tools and solutions to quite literally drag and drop where you want right. and how you want your business or your software to look. Yeah. And so the, this low code movement is, is really around allowing people who have no technical background to, to quite literally spend, if they spend the time, it's almost like sweat, sweat equity, but spend the time to actually utilize this low, no code solution yeah. to build the software they want. Yeah, I, I think of the low code is, is you're configuring software by dragging and dropping. You're, yeah. you're, you're absolutely, very, very rarely are you typing anything into like a, a formula. And even if it is a formula, it's a drag and drop formula. If this is bigger than that, then do this. Right. But it's, it's still drag and drop. It's not like, it's even easier than a, an Excel spreadsheet where you're creating a macro, right? That, yeah. that's, that's hard work. Yeah. Um, so 
for if you're on that path of you know figuring out your product market fit for for everybody listening really look into how do you validate it with low code and no code type solutions uh, lots of offerings out there and you can listen to a past episode on that as well uh what are the things that you you mentioned and i want to go back to you said you had a co-founder so um one of the biggest issues with startups, one of the top reasons startups fail is 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 uh, problems with the co-founders, you know, sure. div- dividing of equity. And, that, you know, so how did you sit down and have that conversation to say, hey, let's let's do this? You know, are we in how you know, how did you get figure out the marriage, if you will, because it, it's sure. like getting married. Right. Yeah. No, 100 percent. So I'm super fortunate. So we have three co-founders in the business, myself, Dan Thorman. And our, our partner, our technology partner, um, his name is Kidichai. He's based in, in Thailand. And so we have been, us three have been very fortunate to have worked together building solutions and businesses for the last five years. So we have a relationship um, that is proven out. We feel comfortable to be candid and honest and know that when we have what may from the outside feel like very harsh criticism or um, direct feedback. It's to us, it's, we have a relationship where we know that our, all of our best interests are in mind. We've built trust. And that when we have these types of candid and direct conversations, it's more about furthering our relationship and the business itself, as opposed to trying to bring people down. And so I think that, that for us, we're very fortunate that we've worked together a long time and that we have that, that straightforward, candid and, and honest relationship. And then we have a lot of trust. And, and I think most importantly, or I guess not most importantly, but in addition to all of that, we complement each other really, really well. Our skill sets have just enough overlap to where we can have really meaningful, substantive conversations, but we all have our very own unique skill set that can help drive the business forward, which is really, really great. When you, in the absence of that, when you don't have that relationship with a person or you're looking for a co-founder, I think the biggest thing that I'd always looked for when I hired people, um, or even when I've sort of played and done around side businesses when, and looking for people to partner with is you need to have the, you know, create a, a relationship where you can be candid, where you can provide direct feedback bilaterally or trilaterally or however, how big the, the relationship is, because, you know, there will be times where you need help or you actually need that feedback. But in order to really build a business, you need to be able to have those direct relationships and those direct conversations and feedback. And when you do those, it builds trust it builds, uh, you know, a culture of honesty, uh, and it really helps you sort of weather together really tough or challenging times because it's, that's really when you need that most when when those things like happen. that weather weather together. Uh, it, it, it's a catchy little phrase. <laughs> uh, yeah, you you said you know there's enough overlap in skills, and 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 that's just something I do see. Uh, co-founders sometimes make that, you know, there's the business founder and then the technical founder and the, the business founder says, Oh, uh, I'll just take care of business. You take care of technical. And of course the technical guy says, I'll take care of technical. You take care of business, but they have no common basis to understand like, what is the software development process or what does it mean to build a business model? There's not. And so when they have those conversations about things it's it's a he said she said oh i thought you were going to do that well i don't you know they miscommunicate so it's really important to have that overlap and i'm glad that you guys have worked long enough that you have that that there so that's pretty cool um what in in your journey at what point did you know 
we figured it out. Like, this is the big win. Like we had the win. Like there was there a pivotal moment where you said, we're in, like we we've proven there's something here. Yeah. I think the, the two things, and I, we still continue to, to get this, which makes us feel really, really good. But I think the, the, the first one is when you, when you, when you land a customer and that customer gives you a referral and that referral leads to another referral. And you start to see these sort of cascading moments of we're actually onto something here. We're actually really creating value. And we're in a space that the community is so tight. They all talk to each other that if you start getting that, you're like, okay, we're actually creating some real value here. And I think we're really, really onto something because we keep one, one referral turns into two turns into four, right. You start to get this like really cool network effect. And so you're like, this is, it's really happening. Uh, and, and this is happening today. It's how we're growing our business almost organically with little to no sales or marketing effort, which is always a good place to be. But I think the other thing that w- what we found is that when we started, this is before we actually had uh, paying customers, but we were having these conversations with, you know, decades long, um, you know, professionals who were in this space, who really knew it, who really knew the challenges, who really knew the opportunities. And when we would talk through what our ideas were, you would see their face light up. You would just, and, and they would just go, this is, this is it. If you guys can do what you're saying you want to do, this is the future. And then when we started it, when one person said it, we were like, okay, this is cool. When two people said it, we started, right. And so when two turns into three, it's this, it's a trend. And so, right. you know, it really was, that was the other thing that really motivated us to really keep, keep moving forward and pushing it going. Yeah. So, so again, that's a, that's a key thing is that, that, that feedback that, um, multiple people said the same thing, right? Yeah. They didn't all go, Hey, your baby, you know, the, the, there's the classic example is what do you think to my baby? Right. And everybody's going to go, Oh, it's cute. But yeah. as soon as you walk around the corner, they go, Oh my God, I feel sorry for that parent. It's the ugliest baby I saw. Right. Yeah. And, and so you have to ask people and you know, like, what do you think? What do you need? Yeah. And, and that's, that's great. Um, and I th- and think the other thing that you said was the, the, I call it your your North Star metric, which is referrals, yeah. right? You know, how many referrals do I get? You know, that's that's something you know. If I'm if I if my referral rate slows down, something's wrong, right? And yeah. and that's more important than what you said. You don't have a website. You know, you know, or, or it's mostly not a lot of marketing, so you don't have to spend a lot of money in marketing because you've got that key metric dialed in of what people want and the value. So that's pretty cool. Uh, as you look forward, what, what's your, what's your next big things that you need to get accomplished? There's a, an audience listening out there. What do you need help with? Yeah. I mean, for us, we, we look at 2022, which is crazy to say now, but we look at 2022 uh, for two different areas. One is, you know, continue to scale um, our product and roll it out so that more, um, more brands and more nonprofits can be, you know, participate in what we're doing and can really support that scale. Um, and so that's a big focus for us is making sure that from an infrastructure perspective, from an investment perspective, from a, from a support perspective, we have everything lined up to uh, unlock the hundreds, if not thousands of potential people in our pipeline over the next year, be able to support that growth. Again, we're in a unique position where we have growth on the horizon that we need to make sure we support. And so it's, we're not putting the cart before the horse. So we want to make sure that we can support that growth. So that's a big piece for us for next year. The other piece is, is really thinking about what does is, what is international expansion look like um, right now? I mean, for the last almost 
18 months now, we've or almost two years, we've been supporting mostly US-based um, organizations. We did early on uh, do some early tests with Singapore. Uh, it was one of our early pilot uh, markets. And so now we're trying to think through like, what, what are the other potential markets that we right. could support and, and actually bring cross-border collaborations with too, because there's a lot like the Indian government, for, for, for example, there's a lot of uh, American Indians who are looking to support their families or the people back home in India. Obviously, there was a big COVID um, uh, you know, rise and there was a huge uh, media conversation about it and the families were talking about it and there was a lot of money raised. Um, so there's you know, opportunities to bring um, US-based um, uh, organizations that you know, can also support their home countries as well. And so figuring out how do we provide and support you know, those bridges as well. Very nice. Uh, so how does, uh, how does anybody get in touch with you? Yeah, so we're at kaleidoscope.com. We kind of spell it a little silly, but it's the two words collide and scope together. Uh, C-O-L-L-I-D-E. Yeah. I'll have it in the, in, the, in the notes for the show, of course. For sure. Um, but yeah, I'm Nick at kaleidoscope.io. You can reach out to me and shoot me a note. Let me know what's going on, how I can help and support people that want to do good. That's really what our platform is about. Well, thank you, Nick. It's it's been a pleasure talking to you. To you know, when I when I first thought uh, social media analysis, okay, yeah, we got we got another social media analysis, but but in that nonprofit space, it's um, perfect. It's right on it. We we need more solutions for the nonprofits so they can get out there. So that's really phenomenal. Um, with that, appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So if you've been listening, make sure that you share this show with a fellow founder so they too can shorten their journey. I'm Philip Topham, the Savvy Founder. Thanks for listening. Be sure to give a five-star review. Take care. Wishing you a bright and profitable future in both your personal and business lives. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and check out our website for tips, thesavvyfounder.com. You can also follow Philip on Clubhouse at The Savvy Founder, wishing you a profitable and bright future. Safe journeys. See you next week.